We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. With Brad Biggs. Biggs time. Biggs. His name is Brad Biggs. Brad Biggs talks football with you. <laughs> Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Brad Biggs is the football man of the Chicago Tribune, a longtime contributor to the station and a valued friend. And he joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank. Making commercial banking personal. Big Zay. Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, you're the man, and it's always fun to talk about such matters. Uh, we had a little discussion this morning. Ian Cunningham, according to uh, Jay Glazer, uh, had an offer from Arizona and turned it down. Now, it, Jay was responding to uh, some, Albert Breer's tweet, and he said, I heard that. It, it wasn't like... He came out like Ian Cunningham has turned down, but but it was interesting, and and we discussed like why would you turn a job down, and is it wise if people think you're turning a job down? It's good for the Bears though, right? Because obviously he's been a part of this thing, and he's going to be a part of this thing. There are huge decisions in the off season, a really fun off season, uh, in terms of team building, and um, and there's also draft compensation involved. Yeah, well, there wouldn't be draft compensation involved unless Ian Cunningham uh, is able to leave for a promotion after next season. Uh, so uh, from that standpoint, it, it's it's great for the Bears in a number of ways uh, because, yeah, he and Ryan Poles have worked together uh, to this point, and this will clearly be a uh, pivotal offseason for the Bears moving forward. I mean, Arguably, um, well, I don't even think there's an argument. They, they, those guys have got a lot more work to do this offseason than they did a year ago. Um, you know, a lot easier to uh, tear something down than it is to uh, to build it back up. So the challenges are ahead for them. Uh, why would general manager candidates uh, pass on opportunities when there's only 32 of them? Well, we've seen. Uh, guys do that over the last several years because it's interesting that while head coaches can be recycled and get second opportunities, and in some instances even third opportunities as a head coach, GMs that uh, sort of wash out generally 
don't get a second crack at it. You, you don't see nearly as many uh, general managers with their second team. So you've, um, you, you know, you don't want to miss on an opportunity while you're hot, but you also don't want to take a job that you believe um, may be very difficult to win in because it could be the only shot you've got. Ian Cunningham's still a really young guy. Uh, he's risen through the ranks uh, relatively quickly. So I think he's uh, more than sharp enough and, and talented enough to be selective uh, with uh, his future. Those are really good points. And yet I do wonder uh... – I guess I don't wonder. To me, it seems like a very calculated risk because there are no guarantees in the NFL. There are no guarantees in any profession that you're going to get another opportunity. My sense would be that uh, he must be very confident and may maybe very comfortable in working alongside Ryan Poles. So is the Cardinal situation that bad, Brad, in your view? Do you think that this move or the fact that he didn't want to take this step surprised people around the league? No, I don't. I don't think you're surprised when you see something like this happen. What it, it, there could be some real simple factors in play. Maybe, um, and this is just total speculation on my point, but maybe his vision uh, for what he would be most comfortable with working uh, alongside in a head coach uh, differs from what he heard from ownership in the interview process, right? I mean that 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 would be a non-starter uh, right there, and and yeah, there's some risk involved in in turning something down, uh, in waiting for your you know the phone to ring in the next cycle or the cycle after that, but um, you know even if the Bears are really bad on the field next year, uh, I don't know that that suddenly he's going to be off everyone's list. Maybe he's maybe he's not considered hot. But he's but he's still so young that um, you just you, you want to feel like you're walking into uh, the right situation and the quarterback there got a big contract um, he's got a knee injury uh, the quarterback's been up and down in his time there so uh, there are issues certainly facing uh, the Arizona Cardinals that are going to have to be uh, sorted out and and Ian Cunningham choosing to deal with um, issues he knows a lot more about at this point that are facing the folks at Hallis Hall. I mean, let's be honest about it. You know, the Bears are only going to go up. They're only going to get better. Ian Cunningham is going to get some credit for his time in, uh, uh, with Philadelphia, and that team's got some good picks, and they're going to do well. I, I just I, – I feel like he, I feel like he's in a good position, in a position of power in this thing, and – I think there are 32 free agents coming out of uh, of Arizona. It's one of those teams that you're kind of looking at and trying to figure out uh, who's going to be available and can you take advantage of that from a free agent standpoint, from a trade standpoint, obviously. Um, is that the way we're looking at all these teams now, um, more so than in any other year because of all the money the Bears have? Are you studying sort of the free agent class? Are you wondering who's going to be let go, who isn't? how the different positions will line up based on 
what happens maybe at the end of this playoffs. I, I, I'd be very curious to see who ends up winning and, and how that impacts the market. Yeah, the Bears are the Bears have got to be spending an inordinate amount of time stacking their boards for free agency. Uh and, and that process has surely already started. You know, they've they've gotta be going through um every position, every team, every player, so you have an idea of uh where the depth is where there's some better players, where you're just buying, you know, average football players, which, you know, at some positions on the Bears roster, average football players would be upgrades over what they used this past season, right? Yeah. But you, but you, you, you have to have a very clear idea of where the strength uh, is going to be in free agency and where the depth is going to be because the Bears aren't going to be the only team with a ton of cap space, there's going to be enough other teams with more than enough cap space to go dollar for dollar with the bears in the pursuit of uh, one of these top free agents. If they make the market, if the, if Washington isn't able to keep Duran Payne, well, the Cleveland Browns and Atlanta Falcons aren't going to be uh, encumbered by their salary cap situation to not be able to, like I said, go dollar for dollar uh, with the Bears in free agency. So what's the depth at at the position? How do you stack the board? What If if you project that uh, this player is going to need X amount of money, what's your range in pay that you estimate for, for the next player uh, at the position? Because you, you, they go through it like that. They kind of have a range in mind for where these guys are going to be at. And most of the players are going to fall in the range because you've got an idea of what players will get paid. But some guys, you know, end up uh, blowing the thing up, go much bigger than teams expect. For instance, a couple of years ago, uh, when the Bears signed tight end Trey Burton, you guys remember that? That was a four-year contract for like $32 million. He was getting like $8 million a year. and uh, uh, there were teams that really liked Trey Burton going into free agency that thought he was had been kind of underused in Philadelphia behind uh, some really good tight ends. They had uh, Zach Ertz, they had Brent Selleck, uh, but he had taken advantage of his opportunities and played well on special teams. And these teams thought Burton was going to be like a $5 million a year, $5 million bucks a year guy in free agency and the Bears almost doubled it, you know? So that's an example of how you can sort of have a range on a guy and it can get um, significantly higher. It just takes one team uh, to, to be motivated or over-motivated to uh, do something. Brad, you look around the league and playoff teams are firing coordinators, whether it's Minnesota and Ed Donatel on the defensive side or the Ravens and Greg Roman on the offensive side. Don't expect that to happen with the Bears, but we don't know what the staff approach will be because there haven't been any moves. There was also a report from Tom Pelissero that the Bears have requested permission to interview Commander's DB coach Chris Harris, former Bear, former Bear safety. Uh, what do you expect the approach to be with the staff and how secure is Alan Williams? And we know Luke Getze because he's coaching in the Senior Bowl is safe, but any other big moves coming, do you think? 
I wouldn't think there would be any big moves coming. To me, if you were going to get in the marketplace for a defensive coordinator, you'd want to be looking by now. Like, I I mean, if the Bears sent out a press release later today that that Allen Williams is no longer with them, I mean, what took you so long, right? You, You needed two entire weeks to reach this decision. I don't think they'll get there. I don't, uh, I, I don't know how you, you evaluate what he did with the players that he had and how they subtracted from that group as they went along with trades. And then, of course, they had some injuries. That's not, injuries aren't an excuse. Every team uh, faces those. But you just look at what they had. I mean, I mentioned it to you guys earlier in the week. They had the, what, seven guys who ended up starting in a first-round playoff game. Uh, from last year's defense, and that doesn't include Roy Robertson Harris, who was a monster uh, for Jacksonville in that upset or, or comeback win. I guess it was a small upset of uh, the Chargers. Uh, Roy uh, had been with the Bears as recently as uh, is 2020. So, a ton of defensive talent left the building. They haven't replaced it yet, uh, but it, it's a little wild the volume of turnover you're seeing. Uh, around the league, I think at the latest I saw yesterday was 10 teams are looking for an offensive coordinator. Like, I, you know, who can put together a list of more than five or six hot, and, and those are in air quotes, right, hot play caller candidates uh, right now around the league? And it just it just goes to show you the pressure that comes with these positions. And the reality is anymore that about half, the NFL is changing uh, a head coach every other year. So you go through two years and you, you get to almost 16 uh, head coaching changes, which is just sort of wild. Yeah, you know, it, it's um, it's always fun. We were talking about the coaches earlier, and obviously seven of the eight remaining coaches are offensive-minded guys. Sean McDermott kind of stands alone as the – as the last defensive-minded coach remaining. But there were a lot of good defensive-minded coaches in the NFL. Bill Belichick, for God's sake. I know he does everything, but he's going to hire an offensive coordinator. He's he's Mr. Defense. Uh, Tomlin, Pete Carroll, Chico, there, there's tons of guys with a background. Um, not as much, but, um, you know, Vrabel. They, these guys, have, there's good coaches. I, I, I just think it's interesting that – when we start looking at Super Bowls, we start thinking about how do you win one and what do you need, and oftentimes the answer is is on offense. Yeah, well, yeah, you've got to have the quarterback, you, and you've got to have uh, a drop back passing game, right? A, a pocket passing game. I think I saw a stat earlier uh, at the beginning of the uh, playoff season here, where thirteen. Uh, of the 14 playoff teams, 13 of them were in like the top 15 or 16 yep. in the league in terms of drop back passing. Uh, I w- it would be my guess that the uh, outlier was the Baltimore Ravens, but I didn't see a detailed breakdown unless I mean, quarterback play uh, is what defines the organizations that be- can become perennial uh, playoff contenders. And you just look at, you know, who's out there right now, who's who's still playing, who played uh, last weekend. Like, you know, Justin Herbert makes the Chargers a viable threat every year, right? 
every year, and they've got work to do. Uh, Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley out there, but he's elite at that position, and uh, they'll be a factor next year. And you look at the the teams playing this weekend. um, Why are the Giants uh, where they're at after being pretty miserable for a couple years? Well, among other things, Daniel Jones has been better than ever before uh, this season. You look at Eagles that are the number one seed, while Jalen Hurts uh, went from sort of inconsistent to an MVP-level candidate for for them. Jacksonville, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, his ascent in year two uh, after being the top pick in the draft. And the 49ers thing's a little crazy, but you've got – uh, a tremendous coach there in Kyle Shanahan with a system that um, is proven and a system that he's able to kind of plug guys in and make it continue to work. Well, I've talked to you guys in the past about how he's been able to kind of take any running back and have success. Um, well, he's got a great running back now in McCaffrey, and now he's on what quarterback three uh, for this season, and, and they're what a four point home favorite, I think, over Dallas. Yeah, I think that's true. Brad, we had some good conversations on Thursday with Rick Spielman, who you know, and also Dane Brugler, who talked draft. And I know it's very early, but I wanted to get your sense of some of these early trade proposals in mock drafts that we see coming out. And I think Dane talked about the Colts moving up from four to one and giving the Bears, obviously, the swap pick, but then adding a second round pick and a future first round pick, which is essentially two more extra picks in addition to swapping spots. Does that sound like adequate compensation? Does that sound like the bears could get more or how would you view this, that, that early kind of estimate of what it would take to move up to number one? Boy, I I think they'd be, if you're talking about the move from four to one, I don't think the Bears could do any better than that. I, I really don't. You talk about getting um, – so you're saying two ones and a second-round pick? I'm saying swapping spots, then a future yeah. first and a second round. Yeah. I Boy, you're, you're only talking about three spots, and um, I think that's about the best that the, the Bears could do there. And that would put them in a position where they're picking at four. Uh, and then they've got uh, a pick at the top of the second round or near the top of the second round from the Colts. And they're with that spot at the uh, end of round two from Baltimore within the future pick in mm-hmm. uh, 24 at one. I, I look at that as about a best case scenario. You know, it's not like uh, Indianapolis is coming up from 10 or anything like that, that seems reasonable to me. You know, some of the, some of these proposals you see out there, people float to you or have just been cockamamie. Like, no, if the team was willing to pay that, the player would be so good that the Bears would never consider trading the pick. You've got a couple things that have to happen. These teams have got to evaluate these quarterbacks, and they've got to determine, you know, what what's the difference in the grade between the quarterbacks as they put their board together, as they stack their board with the three quarterbacks, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. I'm listing them alphabetically. What's the gap 
between those guys in terms of the grade. Because if there's a team out there that has a similar grade where it's, it's, you know, there's a difference between them, but it's not that far apart between their one and two guy. And they feel confident that, well, with where we're at in the draft, we'll get one of them. Or now that we've seen this defensive player go, we we're pretty sure one of these guys is going to get to us. Maybe they don't pull the trigger uh, on a trade. You know, how good do teams believe these quarterbacks will be? Uh, there's just so many questions that have to be answered in the next six to eight weeks, I think, before anything gets serious um, in regard to a potential trade. I know it makes for terrific conversation, and, and, and I know it's something that the Bears hopefully will at least be able to consider uh, because they need – Yeah, I love the idea generally of, of taking the best player available. You know, do your work put together your board, sit there at one and get the best player you can. But because the Bears have the needs that they do and because they only have one top 50 pick in this draft, I think you've got you've got to hope to be able to at least consider some offers for a trade down and then evaluate how that can impact your team. Um, it's it, it's not a done deal in my mind that this pick will be traded, but uh, again, in a best case scenario, Ryan Poles has multiple uh, options to sort of evaluate, to weigh, and try to determine you know which is best for the Bears, probably long term. Great stuff, Brad. Great catching up with you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, Brad. Take care, guys. That is our guy, Brad Biggs, the football man of the Tribune. Good point. Best case scenario, I think he said, and that is a pretty good haul for that pick. Again, as we get closer to the draft, I think that value could potentially increase as we see more teams maybe motivated to do that. But his also point is well taken. If a player's that good that somebody wants to give up as much as some things are being suggested, boy, maybe the Bears should think twice. (laughs) (laughs) It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bears. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. I was talking to a guy, David, um, an NFL guy over the uh, the last day or so, and, and he wanted to know why. Like, we, we, is it usual that people care so much about the front office executives? Like he said that he just 
couldn't believe the reaction he saw coming out of Chicago to Kevin Warren. And and I'm like, yeah, I mean, of course. I said, you got to live here. You got to understand the way things have gone in this town. And people are desperate for any kind of hint of change. And he said, yeah, but, you know, I mean, if there was the stadium deal being announced, or, uh, I understand all that stuff because they're moving. It would change things. Apparently it came up at the at the uh, at the debate, the mayoral debate. But in terms of the way the team operates, why does that change? When you have the first pick, when you have the money, and you can do a lot of different things, why you? Why well, I you, think it, it's all related, and and I think it it's it's a fair question. It just depends on how much you value leadership and how you interpret leadership and, and what that means to a football organization and mm-hmm. different people are going to have different views just like if you watch a football game you're going to have different things that you emphasize and want to look for with the bears i think we both have been influenced by the fact that for years and we have both covered this team for a long time we have seen consistent blind spots that start at the top and we have looked at examples that we have cited over the last 10 days or so and certainly since Tuesday's introduction of Kevin Warren, where strong leadership might have prevented them from picking Mark Trestman over Bruce Arians. Stronger leadership might have prevented them from uh, going to Ernie Accorsi to lead a search that ended up with John Fox being foisted upon Ryan Pace. Stronger leadership might have prevented them from making mistakes in the pre-draft process and vetting the quarterbacks in the 2017 draft. You could come up with more examples than that, but I think that we have seen examples where Poor leadership or short-sighted leadership has gotten in the way and interrupted the progress of a football organization that hasn't won a championship since 1985. So we're maybe cynically influenced by that history and people outside of Chicago and maybe some even people inside the city who don't care about anything except Sunday afternoon but some people might look at it, why are you making such a big deal about this? I think it's evident, self-evident to people who have been around for a while. This is a, this is a seismic change at Hallis Hall. Huge. You can't overstate the significance of having a strong leader at the top. Yeah, I, I don't argue that. I think it's very significant. And as I said, I think that if you, if you lived here and you followed this team, you'd understand the impact this can have and the and the fact that a change in structure was probably a very needed change and to, to bring in someone that has the resume that uh, that Kevin Warren has is a really good sign now i get it i think there are other people that look at it and say okay great the guy's coming in to build a stadium why why does that matter in the football well, everything matters the amount of money you bring in that you can put into the team the, and it's cash in hand stuff. I, I you know, I think the McCaskies uh, want to win, and I think that they just don't quite know how. I think that that's the, the you know, when you start talking about, to me, this question was one that stumped people because I know it stumped me. Does this mean they're going to win a Super Bowl? Does this changing the president? Does that? How does that impact I, their ability to perform on the field? I heard you ask that question on the reporters the other night on Marquee. Nice job, by the way. So you don't know the answer to it because every team is asking the same question. I can't sit here and tell you a year where they're going to win the Super Bowl. They're more likely to do that now because 
leaders establish clear paths. Leaders define the direction. Leaders dream a little bit, and they allow you to think anything is possible. The right ones do. And Kevin Warren's leadership qualities that were obvious to anybody paying attention on Tuesday and obvious to anyone who paying attention during the interview process that makes you think that you have to answer yes. Now, every team should be answering yes. If not, why did you hire that person to chart a course unless you thought the final destination was going to be a championship? But he makes everybody better one person at a time, one day at a time. And I think that's the one thing. It's going to take some time. But, yeah, I think you can answer that question more confidently now than you could when you were more directionless as a franchise. Okay, so there are eight teams left. How many of them really want to win a Super Bowl? How many, how many of these teams are set up and, and aiming toward and want to win this Super Bowl? I don't think anybody doesn't want to, but I think, there are, I think the reason the AFC playoffs are more interesting than the NFC playoffs right now is I think any, any of three teams could win the Super Bowl. The only teams that will finish this postseason of the teams that are remaining and feel okay about what they did are the Giants and the Jaguars. Yes. Other than that, you have six teams involved that if they don't win at all are going to be disappointed. And they're going to be asking themselves after they have the first meeting uh, following their final loss, what went wrong? How can we fix it? How close are we really? Because all of those six franchises began this season with a realistic goal of winning it all, and all six of those franchises still have that goal as being very, very within the reach. Okay, so of those six, how do they impact the pair? How do you how do you change? Like, it's a copycat league. Copycat mm-hmm. league. Whatever you see, you want to be like. Um, I guess you know we've talked about Jalen Hurts as a comparative to Justin Fields. If Jalen Hurts, if they lose, if they don't get to the Super Bowl, if they get knocked out from a division opponent, an inferior opponent. Uh, is that because he got injured? And does that speak volumes about what happens when you are a guy that can, with a certain Well, when you're set? looking for comps, I think you've got to be realistic. So when you look at what Jalen Hurts has done with the Eagles, yeah. and then you look at what uh, Josh Allen has done with the Bills, what you want to do if you are a Bears fan, and frankly, if you're a member of the Bears coaching staff or front office or whatever the case may be, you're looking at, they did that, with these two quarterbacks in terms of leaps between their second and third season. And we want to do the same thing with Justin Fields. We want to get to the point where next year they are more competitive. I don't think anybody realistically expects the bears to be contending for a playoff spot next year, but you want to see the leap in terms of production and consistency from your quarterback, the way that Allen did, the way that hurts did the way that uh, they expect fields to, and then you'll be in a better position to say, all right, we're on the right path. We're doing the right things, and that's the comp that you want to take away. That's the positive side of it. The negative side of it it also exists. You don't want to see the glass half empty, but depending on what Jalen Hurts does and coming back from this injury and depending on how much he plays against the Giants, if he he is not capable of, of playing well because of the injury that he suffered in Chicago, then all of a sudden, then you're going to look at, well, there's, there's Lamar Jackson. His injury limited the Ravens. Jalen Hurts' injury limited the Eagles. 
how far can you go with a quarterback that exposes himself to the kind of hits that those two guys do because you've got one in Chicago with, in Justin Fields. So there's a lot riding in how you interpret or how the comp that you make to the Bears this weekend in these games. I mean, if you if you strictly look at the analytics of it, there is there is no reason to believe that the Giants can win at Philadelphia. Everything says exactly the opposite. It's Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Philadelphia because the year they've had, and because of, uh, but but it's a division game that that takes some of the intimidation out of it. It's hard to beat a team three times. I mean, we know all the reasons the Giants are an interesting team because. Their young rookies on the defensive line are playing better. Um, I I think every element, though, would indicate that it's the Eagles. The problem is the quarterback could be hurt. That's one game, right? Then you well, go. Also, the analytics never favored the Giants going into Minnesota and beating a team with that offense, but they did it. Okay, San Francisco has every analytic. That you could, I actually, I, I got to call you on that one. I think that the defensive analytics uh, for okay, the, for the Vikings, Vikings defense being poor, but yeah. I still think the Vikings defense, as poor as it is, was playing against a giant offense that had no receivers to really speak of that threatened you that that, that you thought would do what they did, and they won anyway. Um, San Francisco uh, over Dallas, same thing. Every single analytic would favor the San Francisco 49ers. Kansas City against Jacksonville, that's a lopsided one. Every one, I mean, even, you know, I think uh, Kansas City's defense is like 17th, according to that stuff, but Jacksonville's is 26th. I'm, I'm just being right. honest about it. The, the, you could make the same, it's closer, but the same thing with Buffalo over, over Cincinnati. If if you just looked at it blindly, it's fairly obvious who's going to win. Without if I just gave you the numbers, you'd pick the one team over the other one because it's Cowboys Niners. I think is going to be the best game because of its most I think unpredictable. You just don't know what Brock Purdy's going to do. And what he, if he gets to the Super Bowl? Well, I think it's a there are no analytics that would support that argument. None. But I think that it's possible that they do. They've got guys with the weapons. You can line them up up anywhere. And they're going to be a problem. Likewise, the Cowboys have pass rushers. You could line up anywhere, and they're going to be a problem. Yes, they are. How do they block those guys? Are they going to do that long enough to get the ball to the guys who are as versatile as they come? That's going to be the best game to me of the weekend. What does Vegas think? Joe Fortenbaugh, our man in Vegas, will tell us next. Molly and Hall on the score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. Always a delight to talk to the great Joe Fortenbaugh. We brag that we know him, and he joins us now on the Signature Bank score hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Joe, good morning. How are you, buddy? Gentlemen, I'm doing well. I'm buckling down this weekend. There's a theme to some of my picks this week. I was just talking to Dustin, your fabulous producer, about it. There's some concern Ultimately, come Monday morning, I could be very excited. I could be very, <laughs> very much in trouble. I don't know. We're, we're, we're sorting through all of it here now, boys. We're sorting through all of it. 
Well, let's start with the first game on Saturday then. Jags and Chiefs, what do you think? What's the best bet there, Joe? So I'm, I'm going right with the Chiefs, right into it. Now, we've talked about this on the show before because late in the season we were betting against the Chiefs a little bit here. And Kansas City was not good against the spread this year at all. They're asked to do so much with these monster numbers. But I just can't get over the fact that Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes and this elite passing attack. You don't need me to elaborate on that. And Jacksonville has a bottom three pass defense. Kansas City coming off the bye. We know how good Andy Reid is off the bye in his career, going back to his day in Philly. Um, You've got Jacksonville coming off a huge emotional win, turning around, going on the road, cold weather, Kansas City, hostile environment. I think they could be overwhelmed in this game. Jacksonville has been a nice story, but let's remember something. They're down 27 nothing last week. If it's anybody other than the Chargers or the Falcons – that game probably results in a blowout, and we look at Jacksonville and say they shouldn't even be here. Peterson's done a good job, but I think they're going to be overwhelmed in this game. For those who like the six-point teasers, this is a great number. You can take the eight-and-a-half with Kansas City. You can tease it down six points to two-and-a-half, which means Kansas City only needs to win by three. The trick is that you've got to pair that up with another team like a parlay so you can take Philadelphia and tease them from seven-and-a-half down to one-and-a-half. Therefore, if the Eagles win by two – and the, char- and the Chiefs win by three or more, boom, your teaser bet pays. That is going to be a very popular bet in Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, let's get to that Eagles game. I, I don't know if you should uh, remove yourself from the conversation yeah. at this point. Great Joe. point. I'm worried about you. <laughs> it's a great point. We talk about this on Daily Wager a lot. People say, well, you're an Eagles fan. You can't talk about the game. That's very true, but a lot of times I'm betting against the Eagles. I'm one of, you, you know how Philadelphia fans are. A lot of times we're very vengeful. We're very angry. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I got no problem betting against them. That's pretty much what I was with the Phillies. I was betting against them all the way until they got to the World Series, and then I was on the train. Like as fair weather a fan as you could possibly see, and then when they lost, I threw them right under the bus. Can't have it making me look bad. So here we go with the Eagles. I, I, I'm just going to – let's just go through the numbers here for a second. All right, let's try to make sense of this. Philly's laying about seven and a half. You go back to the middle of December, Philadelphia, it's a month ago. They're in New York on the road. They're laying seven and a half. Now, now tell me, what has changed to where they're a seven and a half point favorite on the road and now they're playing the game at home and they're coming off a bye week, and the line is still seven and a half. I think part of this is the fact that people are saying, oh, look at the Giants. The Giants are much better than we realized. The Giants are what I like to call Minnesota light, okay? They're the same damn thing as the fraudulent Vikings. The Vikings are 11-0 and in one-score games, poor point differential. They get rocked last week. The Giants are the same thing. They're 10-4 and in one-score games this season. With that win last week, they now have a plus-one point differential. I see the Eagles covering. I can understand if people think my bias is creeping in here. But based on the price from a month ago and what I know about the Giants, good story. I do see them being overwhelmed here. Hmm. Interesting. You know, great pick, by the way, on Minnesota. Um, you knew they were going to – you saw Minnesota. that coming. Yeah. yeah, that was great. Good call, that, Joe. That's what you should have led with. Rather than talking about my bias towards <laughs> Philly, you should have been like, oh, you're so great last week. This pick is obviously going to be a good one. <laughs> All right, Joe, Sunday, first uh, game, Bengals, Bills, which Josh Allen will show up? So this is the one where I've had the most trouble trying to figure out from a side perspective what's going to happen. Um, we, we saw Buffalo open as a three-and-a-half-point favorite up to four, up to four and a half, up to five. I see it at six right now at some spots. It has been nothing but Buffalo money early in the week. And the casual NFL better is not betting these games early in the week. A lot of times this is sharp money. 
What I worry about here with Buffalo is very obvious. It's the same thing everyone worries about. They just have not looked razor sharp over the last month and a half of the season. You're up 17 nothing last week against Skylar Thompson. You find yourself in a situation where you're down in the fourth quarter. Unacceptable. Now here comes Cincinnati. Everybody loves Cincinnati. Public dog. Public's going to be all over them. Two big concerns with the Bengals. Number one. They're down three starters on their offensive line. And that offensive line was already a problem to begin with. You're on the road, hostile environment. That's a problem. Joe Burrow's not going to have time to get the ball down the field to Chase and Higgins and everybody else. And that's part of their offense, right? So they're going to be able to shorten the field. Number two, Cincinnati is off back-to-back games against Baltimore. Anybody who watched those games know that those games took a piece of their soul away from Cincinnati. Guys are getting hurt. Very physical. I wonder how much is left in the tank. Teams that come off the San Francisco game this season, the week after playing the Niners, 0-15. All right? It's because it's a physical game. This situation here, I think, is kind of the same. I don't know how much is left in the tank. So I lean to Buffalo because I think that's what the market's trying to tell us. I'd also say for everyone who's going to be jumping on the over here, uh, the money's coming in on the under. It was on the key number of 49, and it's dropping down. I think this could be a little bit lower scoring than people are expecting. And then finally, uh, I don't know which Dallas team shows up, and I don't know if you trust the quarterback, but the Niners are awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm playing the Niners here. This opened four. It dipped to three and a half. Now it's back up to four at most shops. I think there's a big situational edge for San Francisco. They played Saturday. Dallas played Monday. So they got two extra days of prep for this game. They're also at home. They don't have to worry about any travel. Cowboys had to travel to Tampa last week. Cowboys now have to travel to the Bay Area. So situationally, it sets up very nice for the Niners. When we break down both defenses, the Niners clearly have the edge there as well, although Dallas's defense is pretty solid. The question is, do you think, do you think Dak Prescott's going to play a very clean football game? He looked great against Tampa, but remember something. The Niners ranked number one in the NFL in interceptions with 20. Prescott was a turnover machine. Coming into the playoffs, he had thrown interceptions in nine of his last ten games. If he doesn't play flawless, I think they're in big trouble. And Brock Purdy has wide receivers running wide open all over the field. Shanahan system, incredible what they did to Seattle. I think some of the sharp guys will side with Dallas because they'll see value against Purdy. I'm going to be on the Niners in that matchup. Good stuff, Joe. That's fantastic. Joe, you do a great job. You look beautiful every night on the Daily Wager, and it's just a glorious time in our lives to talk to you. Have a great weekend, uh, Joe. It's always very kind to hear those words. Thank you so much. Working very hard, limiting the beers to only six or so a night, trying to look pretty (laughs) for you guys uh, on national TV. So thank you as always. Best of luck, everyone out there in Chicago. Let's get them this weekend. Great stuff, Joe. God bless you. That is Joe Fortenbaugh. He does. He's he's looking better than ever. Looking sharp. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's raising his game, no doubt about it. That beer diet is doing wonders. Six a night. Yeah, that's sounds like that TV. It's that TV money. <laughs> yeah, you can afford a six-pack a night. Uh, okay, we've got to get into I I want to talk about this idea. We asked the question in the pick six. If, it, if you know, in an imaginary world, this would be the weekend we'd have the White Sox fan convention. Let's just say blind, blind news conference. Rick Hahn happens to be the man up there. What is your question for him? If you could ask any question of Rick Hahn at the imaginary news conference that isn't actually taking place, what would it be? 312-644-6767 is the number. Come on, Sox fans. 
What would you ask the man? It's Molly and Haw on the score. Ask me after the parade. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.